What's up, guys? Today on the Shark Pod, we've got Dan Nugent. Dan Nugent is the co-founder of Amber Eyewear. Amber Eyewear provide blue light glasses, and um, Dan had started this business as a co-founder only a couple of years ago, which is hard to believe when you think about how well the brand is known within Ireland um, and also where it's been sold. It's also it's obviously sold on his e-commerce website, but also in Brown Thomas. Um, so that's a really uh, interesting story that we dig into on the Shark Pod as well. Today, we really dig into the tactics behind getting started with an e-commerce business, trying to figure out how to build your product, how to market it, how to get found online, how to pick a product that will be easier to sell online, um, and also uh, some tips and tricks around uh, kind of building a business model. So really, really interesting stuff. Um, if you're interested in e-commerce, this is the one for you. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to kick it over to the guys in the studio. Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? We've got our, our latest uh, guest here on the line, Dan Nugent. How are you doing, Dan? I'm good, thank you. Good, good. We've got Mark Baker over there in Greystones uh, in the, the new kind of the new the kind of lockdown 2.0. It's a little bit uh, a little bit more structured there in Dublin than it was the first time, but there's some restrictions yeah. that came in last night. Well, you said Greystones. I wish it was in Greystones. I could go to the pub, but I'm in uh, Glenageary. Yeah, it's weird. I can almost see it from here, but it's uh, it's uh, completely different rules. But that's that's uh, something that we'll we'll have to work through. Um, we've got. My mum was going on holidays with her uh, with her friends there, and she was just about to cancel it. And then um, she ended up uh, talking to her neighbour, and she's like, "No, I'm going to have to cancel my holiday." And he was like, "Why? Why, Caroline? You you don't live in Dublin. You live in Bray." And she she only just realised it then. And she's like, "Oh yeah." Unbelievable. I live in so she'll have to drive into Dublin to get the plane, though, I guess. She? She's about, no, she's not just dead. Uh, she's going down to uh, Kerry, I think. Oh, perfect. Perfect. But it's like a difference of, a, a difference of 100 meters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> knows what to say anymore, as well, like because, you know, you'll be shamed. The risk of being shamed if you say you're going somewhere. But yeah. if it was a week ago, you know, it was fine. So I just say nothing now. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's another thing. We're, we're supposed to be going to a birthday, birthday party. <clears throat> My girlfriend's family tonight, and uh, you know, no bother last week. You don't, you know, there's no, no kind of weirdness associated with it. But now everyone's like, oh god, should we go? Should we go? Yeah. It's funny, just overnight, things completely changed. I was talking to one of my friends. Um, she's from Finland, and uh, someone I work with in HubSpot, and she's just been going. I think she's been on three holidays since the whole thing. She's just out there taking the shame on the chin. You know, I like, I quite like it. Same with my dad. My, my dad lives in Lisbon and he came back last weekend just to play around golf and went straight back to Lisbon. And he was planning on doing the same next week. I was like, no, you you, de- you can't do that now. You're going to lose friends over it. Yeah, it's a tough one. But, uh, <laughs> but we digress. Um, so thanks, Dan, for joining us here. Dan is the, the co-founder of Amber Eyewear and the founder of Lens Build, which we might talk about a little bit as well. That's kind of your, your new venture there. So a lot of people that will be listening to the podcast will be familiar with Amber Eyewear. Um, just to get like, it's a it's a funny one. It's always been it's been on my radar for a couple of years now. And I'm not even a uh, like a eyewear uh, user. Um, so the branding seems to be really really strong. Uh, I had two people over last night uh, from Dublin. Um, we were uh, celebrating an engagement, and we were here in uh, in Greystones going out for dinner. Um, and I told them that we had uh, had you coming on tomorrow, and they were both uh, uh, customers of yours. Um, they live in the oh, area as well. Okay, 
so it's kind of it's it's kind of a, a really deep brand already. And uh, when did when did the when did that start? The company. Um, May two thousand seventeen. But I wouldn't have called that like an official start as such, like a normal business. May two thousand seventeen was very much like me and Sasha sitting on our couch here, very very amateur website and selling you know quite well actually it started off quite well but 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 it wasn't what you would call a proper business it was a, a complete amateur error i i would say it became a proper business in around october 2017 we became a, a limited company and then you know started to take things very seriously and do it by the book and everything like okay um but but just three years yeah it seems like it's been around for a lot longer than that and i know so the sometimes on the track pod we really dig into like the the background story and stuff like that did you have any like uh what was the what was the kind of the beginning of your career uh, after school after college or whatever uh well there was no optical background whatsoever and i didn't wear glasses so it was a totally new kind of industry for me but i was i suppose i was quite entrepreneurial um i was always looking for something to sell um and 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 i was very like in leaving cert it was very business orientated like um accounting and business studies and stuff mm. and then i i did commerce and ucd very very boring kind of run the mill college course or whatever. But at the time it was just when digital marketing was kind of to kind of becoming a new industry. And there was a module in UCD called e-business, which I've okay. never heard that word used since. No, e-business. I like that though. It, it makes sense. Yeah, that's what it used to be called. And then it okay. kind of developed into like digital marketing and then, the, you know, e-business split into loads of different types of, of, uh, of stuff. And then, but I really liked that. And um, I went down the route of kind of, uh, marketing and, and digital marketing and stuff. So I, I, my background professionally was uh, agencies, digital agencies. So I worked for an Irish digital agency in New York called CKSK as an intern. And then I came back and I got a job in an agency called In the Company of Huskies in Ringsend. And I worked there for a couple of years. Um, and I only left there once Amber kind of started. I, I did the two of them side by side for about four, four months. And then it became kind of too much. And then was, was able to leave Huskies and concentrate on this full time. Cool. What's the being in those types of agencies? What's the, that kind of business like? I know my own uh, company or the company I work for, HubSpot, works with loads and loads of uh, marketing agencies. What was that like? Is it uh, is it constantly trying to win new business, or is it kind of farming a, a bunch of accounts that they kind of have in there? What's the what's the kind of business model there? I've always wondered. Um, it's a it's a bit of both. You know, the the turnover of staff is ridiculously high in agencies you just basically do roundabouts between all the big agencies in dublin but in terms of customers as well yeah a lot of pitching uh, a lot of time is spent putting together really really in-depth and clever um pitches mm. and then you might be pitching against like three or four other agencies and you lose and then all that work is absolutely for nothing you know you don't get paid to pitch yeah um, so that and then you know you, you've got you, you, they have like their big accounts um and they do their utmost really just to, to, to bend over backwards for those accounts to keep them because the, the turnover of staff, the turnover of customers, you know, it's just like a roundabout, the whole industry in Dublin. Um, but I love it. I, I love the atmosphere in there. Um, very informal, you know, like similar enough to what HubSpot, like a kind of, you know, modern tech company. And, you know, you wear shorts to work. Very, very laid back, but, you know, you get your work done. And it's a good creative environment as well, you know. I, I liked it because it, we kind of got the you were able to kind of be creative and, and, and think, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't maybe so much like, like accounting or something where your task might be very straightforward. And um, there's a lot of thinking outside the box and you never really know what the day would, would bring. Like, you know, you could be out shooting videos one day and then 
you know, doing something else one day. So I kind of love, I love that. Kind of right. Dan, did you, yeah. did you see that as a, was that a springboard into something more entrepreneurial? Do you think that was a good kind of foundation to have? Or did you just go into it thinking, look, I'm interested in this, see where it goes? I don't necessarily, so my job there actually was, it was SEO executive. So search engine optimization, which is something that like, it's actually not really that interesting, I think, but for most people find it real boring, but for some reason in it, like around, uh, ooh, when I came back from New York, 2000 and late 2014, early 2015, um, I just really became interested in it. I self-taught myself search engine optimization. Like I bought books and, um, you know, I'd been working as a bartender in New York for a year while doing an internship, but the internship was, was very general. I didn't really learn any specific skills. So I thought that, you know, when I come back to Ireland, I want to learn a very specific niche digital skill that guarantees me a job. And I just kind of latched onto this. And I just found it very interesting that you could game Google system, um, you know, and it's a skill that not that many people know. And if you could do it well, then, you know, you could sell a lot of a certain product or service. Um, so I got really interested in it. And that's the job that I went for in, in Huskies. And I ended up working under uh, the, the, the SEO head there. And um, I learned an absolute ton of stuff off him over the, over the following two years. So much so that I was extremely confident that if I was to have my own product, I'd easily be able to generate a lot of organic traffic and wow. wouldn't need huge, huge budget to sell that product. But mm. then the, the thing for me then was um, I spent the next kind of, I spent a year kind of figuring out like what, what was the product I was going to sell. And, you know, I chatted to him before and about this and how I was going to discover the product that I wanted to sell on the side. And I think he said like three things. It was uh, make sure that it's um, <clears throat> small enough to be delivered at a, to be, to be shipped at a, at a, at a reasonable price. It's small enough that you can store it at home because you're not going to want to have a warehouse or anything like that. And then third, that the, that you can charge, you can have quite a large markup on it, you know? Yeah. So it was those three criteria, like small enough to deliver, small enough to store, and that you could have a large enough margin on it to fund, to fund a business, you know? Um, so, you know, that, that's quite vague, but it's surprisingly hard to find something that fits those three criteria that hasn't been done to the nines already. Mm-hmm. There, there's loads and loads to unpack there. Like, so for, for people who are leaving school or leaving college, um, like I did a kind of a general uh, business degree as well. And one of the things that people said when you come out, it's kind of like, I don't really know how to do anything particularly. Like, you know, I've done a little bit of accounting. I've done a little bit of marketing, oh, you know, but uh, I think it's a great tip to find just even that, that it wouldn't have to be anything particular that, uh, like you just have to pick one thing that you can be good at that like it's a sellable skill this for your um uh, for your job there was seo which is like i guess in 2014 it's still early not early days but it's kind of there's still a gap in the market for people to for learning those skills um after you you started that it's interesting as well uh, we talk about distribution a lot on the show so we talked to somebody uh, a founder in uh, sydney um, about distribution of his software product and it was like he was getting involved with selling like on the back of hubspot so if you buy hubspot and you buy his kind of add-on so you were he's kind of piggybacking on all of that um all that activity same with same with salesforce so it's interesting that you're thinking at distribution like e-commerce you're trying to like it's more almost like a, a digital marketing company first and then a product that people love uh, and fits that criteria kind of second, which is an interesting way of looking at it rather than just somebody having a, a huge passion for designing something 
and build trying to build a, a business around it maybe mark that's kind of what you did with the art it was more art first and then trying to figure out mm. a way to get it out there yeah i was gonna ask dan i've used i know i think you've mentioned you use shopify um yeah. for the website and i use that but i've built numerous websites um with shopify and it's it's very very simple i reckon i could build a shopify website for a company selling the product in a few hours you know and have it up and running um because of all the and all the plugins and everything but one thing i never really touched upon and i just thought it was too hard or, or maybe it just takes years but is seo just for an example like if someone was to to start a business they had a good product um good website nice website if they had a good seo plan and and in place and didn't what kind of difference would that is what kind of difference does a good seo kind of make um sales wise there's, there's a lot of different scenarios where you'd have to you talk about as well but i'll probably just use my own as an example um and this is probably funny because when i if i say I, i'd say people have never kind of heard this approach to starting a business before so i actually would have the, the selling blue like glasses that decision would have been based on seo research do you know what i mean so when i'm saying about physically those those you need a, uh, an item that you can deliver a store and charge a markup on grant but then I also didn't want to start selling something where um, Google search results, like high, high, high uh, positions in the search results was very competitive. So I tried to find, um, so I, I would use Google Trends. If I came up with a product, I'd use Google Trends and I'd look at it in America and I'd see, um, you're usually like two years behind in America. So for example, using blue light glasses, I would have typed, seen in Google Trends that blue light glasses uh, two years ago in the States were like 10% of the level that they were in 2017. And then you look at Ireland and that curve had yet to start going up, you know? So you're like, okay, so, you know, we usually follow the States. So um, I have a feeling that blue light glasses are gonna be really big in Ireland in like two years. And then I also would have done keyword research to find out firstly that there there is volume here. Like there is, there are people looking for blue light glasses in the UK and Ireland, um, but then you know, you could also use t- certain digital tools. There's one like SEMrush and Ahrefs. These are two different uh, software as a service things. Uh, and I could find out that high positions for these keywords weren't competitive. So, you know, if I start, I can't start a car insurance company and go, oh, I'm really good at SEO. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rank number one for car insurance tomorrow. This is never gonna happen. But like finding, finding an item where there is a search volume there and there is people looking for it, maybe not so much right now, but it's gonna grow. But also, there's not that many competitors in the space digitally. So I can, you know, with a bit of work, I can be the number one ranking blue light glasses brand in Ireland fairly easily. Wow. So that kind of, that that was like uh, uh, reinforcing that this was a good idea. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have, if I had seen that uh, nobody was looking for blue light glasses and uh, nobody in the state, like the current, like it had never got popular in America or whatever. I probably wouldn't have started the company, but you're looking at it and you're like, okay, the data tells you that this is going to be a big thing, um, and it's relatively non-competitive. And for somebody starting out, like you were at the time, you had that skill set, of course. But if would you recommend just getting that outsourced, a good SEO strategy, or learning it? Can you learn it in a short enough space of time the basics that? that it's worth learning to implement or would you recommend outsourcing it to someone else? Um, I reckon you could learn it quite quickly and um, you just got to learn how to, how to use certain online tools like Google Keyword Planner, SEMrush, Ahrefs, like get comfortable with them 
and you can do a ton of research. You can find any information that you want about this type of stuff through those, through those tools. And um, I suppose the hard part then is actually implementing search engine optimization. Um, so, I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science, you know, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, with, with a lot of skills, you can learn it relatively easy, but 99% of people aren't bothered. And that's why they view you as like, oh, an expert at this, whereas they could probably get to that level within three or four months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so many things uh, like that. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah. And, and another thing, right, if you, it, it depends on how you're starting a business. Like for us, myself and Sasha were doing this as a side project more for our own entertainment and then also you know if we made 200 euro a month to pay the electricity bill we would have been delighted and so because we had no budget for this at all I think our total budget at the start we put in like one and a half grand each we didn't have we didn't have a giant PPC budget and we couldn't like produce the great social ads and put loads of money behind them we couldn't hire an agency so you know, it was completely dependent on free organic traffic and um, SEO was obviously the best way to do that because you don't, you don't pay. Um, you, know, you know, if you can solve the puzzle, then you're going to start seeing a steady stream of traffic coming to your website consistently and for free. So, I mean, the way I started Amber would have probably been different. Say, say when I'm starting lens build now, there's a bit of money there to, to put a lot, put behind PPC and advertising and stuff. Um, so again, yeah, if you're starting to, if you're starting a business on a budget, it's definitely a really good way, definitely good skill to, to understand. It's interesting. So cause I actually worked with a lot of um, a lot of marketers when I was selling HubSpot, and uh, they were there was varying success, let's say, with uh, their SEO strategies, um, especially yeah. kind of once the companies were up and running. And um, one of the th- one of the things that perhaps they weren't doing was uh, that type of SEO planning where they're looking to America, uh, you know, and thinking you know, back two years where Ireland is uh, with kind of everything um, and going after a market that's gone on the, on the rise. And we, like on the Shark Pod, we talk to people all the time about uh, the value of being able to sell to America and stuff like that. Are you guys selling to uh, just Ireland and UK primarily, or is there any like, you know, conquering the, the US in the, in the plants? I wouldn't go as far as saying conquering, but we do like, you know, we have daily sales in the US. And, you know, it's not crazy numbers, but um, it used to be for so, like we, we actually like our, our, before the blue light glasses market got really competitive, which it is now, and a lot of, a lot of big optical brands in the US are in on it now. But um, we, we would have been getting massive traffic from the US and uh, we were selling tons over a period of time. But, you know, when more big companies entered the market, we, we, the traffic was kind of diluted. Um, but now, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually mostly Ireland um, and then UK and US would be, we still like, you know, it'd be da- daily US and UK sales, which is great. That's cool. And Dan, where, where would the traffic be coming from? What kind of routes is it social media? Is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? Is it direct? Is it paid ads? Is it influencers? Um, it's mainly direct and organic. Uh, and then we do a lot of, uh, yeah, we, we have quite a large PPC, PPC budget now. So uh, Google search ads as well so it's those three things mainly and um, i find we uh, social traffic it makes up a very small portion of it and um, and then we actually don't use influencer marketing at all okay. so um, it, it is like i i tend to focus like again we're not i'm not like warby parker or spec savers so you don't have an unlimited budget to spend and um, 
and then we, we, we actually, we do, we do social ads, of course, and there's a good return and stuff there. But my, my focus on, uh, I, t- I tend to focus more on um, spending advertising budget to gain traffic from people who have intent to buy. So essentially think of it this way, like if you're, if you're putting a social ad out there, fair enough, you could have good targeting or whatever, but you're kind of just, I suppose, pissing in the wind and hoping someone, or just like throwing a fishing rod out there and hoping someone like latches on and pull them in. Whereas if I'm putting most of my budget behind uh, PPC ads, you know, buy blue light glasses now and someone types that in and I show up, like, you know, they're already on the hook there. You know, that, that's, much e- that's a much easier sell and a higher conversion rate. So I always, I always would recommend that if, you, if, you're, if you're kind of limited in your budget, you start with that type of advertising and then grow it out to social and kind of, you know, more, more top, top of the funnel advertising. Um, I I think a lot of the direct uh, hits that you get on the website are obviously from word of mouth. Is obviously huge as yeah. well. Word of mouth. I mentioned right. like Luke. Actually, I mentioned I was got, we were having you on the podcast to the guys in work, and one of the guys that works with me, a guy called Angus Cody. I'm not sure if you know him, but I actually do know him. Gooks Cody. Yeah, yeah. What's his Gooks Cody? I don't really know him. <laughs> <laughs> he he said that him and his his partner got a pair of glasses over the, the lockdown period and says the best thing they've bought uh, since March. So, oh, that's yeah. great. Mm. And then people that's tell great. other people and go like that. But like, is there, did you ever try any uh, marketing around like, um, like uh, you know, invite a friend or that type of marketing as well? It's like, we'll give you 10% off if somebody else signs up or yeah, for all business or is that part of it? Or? Yeah, did that for a while uh, and ended up with a lot of scanning and <laughs> um, really? like you know buy a pa- if you bought a pair you would get an automated discount code a personalized discount code that you could share with your friends but such is the internet you know you'd have spots and uh, like find like finding out these codes and then they'd put the codes on coupon websites okay and you know and then nobody then then we, we would see this pattern where people would get to check out and they would leave the website and then come back with a discount code. So they were obviously about to check out full price and they go, Amber, I wear discount codes. And then they'd be using one of these discount codes. So they were going to convert anyway. So we were just yeah. losing money. And also every time that code was, was redeemed, the person who created the code was getting five euro. Okay. So we noticed that some lads were getting like paid like 400 quid or something. <laughs> and you know, it, it was it wasn't the way we intended it to be. They were just yeah. putting this code up on coupon coupon websites and stuff. So uh, it just became too difficult to monitor. But I, I would, if I could find a way to do that, you know, without having breaches of security like that, it would be it would be great. The internet, it's such and an interesting place. Like people to share it in like their WhatsApp groups and stuff, but not put it up on these yeah it's such an interesting thing as well like all these angles with uh with online business that you have to kind of keep covered because there's always people trying to trying to make a to make a book off that so. advantage of it. yeah we have yeah. to stop affiliate marketing and um, just because of all the, the scamming that was going on and just if you had typed in amber eyewear discount codes there was like rakes and rakes of websites who just had all these like coupon codes and you just couldn't keep track of it and then you're and then you're also paying them Per redemption of that coupon as well. Crazy. So we have monitor it. Dan, just just to go back to the to the actual product, right? So tell us about how they work. You know why they're unique, and and kind of the thought process that went into the design. Tell us all about the, the actual product. 
Yeah, so the, the product itself, like um, when 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 myself, Sasha is a designer and digital designer, and then I was in digital marketing, working in Huskies, and so the two of us were spending an awful lot of time in front of the screen, and and uh, we she was actually spent the time. Um, no, I can't remember. Yeah, I think she was pregnant at the time, so we weren't we weren't socialising that much. So screen time was even more uh, a part of our lives. And we were suffering terribly from headaches and eye strain and just kind of poor moods from just working at a screen all day, commuting, looking at your phone, coming back, watching TV. It's just not good for your, for your head or whatever. Um, and then I came across um, articles about blue light because it wasn't really a big subject here in Ireland at all. Hmm. Now it is like with podcasts and, you know, people really, really into health and fitness, even more so than three years ago. It wasn't really a, a, a much talked about thing at the time. Um, so I bought a pair of these cheap Amazon blue light blocking glasses with the orange tints. Um, and for me, like they worked incredibly well. Like I just didn't get the headaches and the, the pounding headache anymore. Um, and I didn't really put two, two, two and two together that this was the product that I was looking that I, that I could be selling. Uh, and then I think Sasha just suggested, she's like, why don't we just like sell glasses like that? And that's when I conducted all this SEO research and was like, okay, well, this is a great product to sell. And, and then we just kind of set about going like, okay, how can we make it better? We looked at what was on the market. The main thing that was on the market at the time were those like gamer glasses with the orange lenses. And, and then, you know, we did a lot of research and contacting different manufacturers and lens manufacturers. And we discovered that there was a new kind of technology coming out that you could have blue light blocking lenses that were virtually clear. And there wasn't really any brands doing this at the time. And then, you know, we're thinking like, you know, these type of glasses shouldn't be just confined to gamers with that wraparound style. You know, you wouldn't be caught dead in them in the office. And there was definitely this kind of market there for, it was also a time when I'd noticed like nothing, I'd never done this now, but some people were buying lensless glasses purely for the fashion aspect of it. So we were like, there's definitely an opportunity here for these type of glasses with a clear lens designed well that are stylish and you also could substitute as a fashion accessory. Um, so then, you know, we went to different manufacturers and then, um, you know, using part of our savings to, to purchase samples and prototypes and all coming back terrible quality. And it was very disheartening. We were about to kind of ax the whole idea. Um, and then the final manufacturer that we had contacted to send us samples and lens samples and frame samples and was just excellent quality lenses worked really really well we tested them out for a while and then it was just as simple as you know what are the general designs that you want and and we went for just classic you know the wayfarer style and then a more roundy style Mm -hmm. we didn't really have that much money so just picked black tortoiseshell there we go and we got a small batch of 100 glasses and and it just took off from there you know people love them and it was a new product and then i remember i I, from my digital marketing background, I met, uh, I, I reached out to a few people in some different publications around Dublin and a journalist from Love in Dublin took a pair and she wore them for a week and then um, wrote a big review on the Love in Dublin website that took up the main slot on the homepage like five days after we launched, three or four days, wow. something and uh, we just sold out of that first batch of 100 like straight away and then we had to open like pre-orders and we got four weeks worth of pre-orders amazing and then just snowballed from then and then and then you know we then we turned our focus on you know we're not going to keep all this money for ourselves we're going to put it back into the business 
develop our website, develop new styles, work on creating like a really, really good brand and a really good product. Amazing. Because that's always the the hard thing as well with actual products. Like when you're building uh, like SaaS products and stuff like that, it's stuff. It's all about development and stuff like that. But if you if you have a real uh, you know a hardware uh, piece, uh, getting the the manufacturers right is must be so uh, so challenging. Also, uh, having all the stuff to store somewhere, not on the internet, but actual store in your in your house or whatever. Was this kind of like walking into a spare room or something, can't open the door full of glasses or how long did that last? Um, not at the start, but when it got, yeah, about six months down the line, then we were starting to use, um, we were starting to use my daughter's like room to store everything. Um, and then we eventually had to move to a, to a small office and a bigger office and we're moving again to a bigger office next week. So, um, yeah, like what you, in our house now, there's glasses everywhere. There's like every drawer, every like on the third, like on the floor, almost everywhere. There's glasses everywhere. Um, but yeah, at the to- at the time, you know, the first batch was only like a hundred glasses, and we didn't really know what the hell we were doing. Like all we knew was what they, that they looked good and uh, they worked for us. And I think that we, you know. Sasha has a, like, all the design and the branding and the color and everything that you see. That that's kind of all Sasha. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty good at, at saying if something looks good or not, but I can't physically create it myself. So I would definitely be with a kind of more business and marketing and she kind of is responsible for the aesthetic of the product and the website. But we just kind of created stuff that we would like. You know, there was never, we didn't do any market research or go out there and ask people questions. It was like, what would I like to wear? And, and that has always been the case. Like anything we do now, it's just like, well, do I like it? Because the target market is, is me, you know? Yeah. And was there a moment you mentioned the the Love and Dublin article, but like, what separates this little venture that you know at the time from all the other little ventures you were trying to do? What made that go from a side a side hustle to something a lot more? Was there was there any one moment or one particular factor? Well, I think it was the the first time that I'd ever put proper hours in, into a side project. You know, a lot of people have side projects and they might have a great idea, but they never really like execute on it. You know, they never really follow through with it, but um because i'm just trying to remember the timeline yeah we we had a now when i said she was pregnant i was way off there sorry she <laughs> our daughter was our daughter was but we're like nearly two and <laughs> so but anyway my point was that we were spending a lot more time indoors because we had a small child and then um, you know I, I needed something to do other than watch tv and so did she so sorry my dog's barking right. and then um, you take away oh uh, I'm just going to have to close the door here. Yeah, you're grand. So, um, yeah, we just kind of wanted uh, wanted something to do. And it was the first time that I'd ever actually followed through with properly with an idea, like building the website, sourcing the product, and like having all those, like, you know, you take little baby steps each day. And, you know, a lot of the time you stop after like three, three stages and you're like, I'm not bothered to continue with that. But this was the one thing that we followed completely through it to have a functioning website and a functioning product, like ready to go in our house. And that's what made a difference. Yeah. And the necessity is the mother of invention as well with a young child there, you know, you kind of maybe put the extra effort in. Some people think that when you have young kids, it's, it's the wrong time to, to jump into something. But Oh, I, I found that I did more. Yeah, I actually couldn't disagree more. Like I, I, I found that you know there there wasn't going out with your mates. Like there wasn't you know lying hungover on a Sunday and um, as much as there used to be. So so you know I, I just had so much 
time on my hand myself. Once Aurora was like asleep at night, you know, you've got like three or four hours at night and you're not going to be like watching TV or scrolling on your phone all the time. It's just not good for you. So to do something productive, um, I felt like I had, I had such an opportunity to be productive. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely, Mark. You got that, that dad power to go and... Uh... <laughs> And get after it as well. It's cool. Um, it, yeah. So with the just on the e-commerce businesses, like I think this might be the first e-commerce business that we had on. I had um, one of my favorite uh, customers that I ever had. I sold to HubSpot to this guy in up in the fjords in Norway. His name was Oscar. He sold rifle stocks, and it was just a mo- the most amazing little business that he had. He had like a factory in this tiny town. Hired all of his friends and family, and. It was, oh, that is very cool. It's really cool. And all of his like content is him and his friends like up in the like oh, Norse mountains and stuff. It's really cool. Like anyway. Um but his whole thing was like it's uh like it's made to order. So he has these all these orders come in from all over the world. Um and he just makes so there's no kind of costs for him unless someone actually sends him the money to the way. So it was really good model that way. Yeah. Um but mm-hmm. for him it's really hard to scale then because he's kind of in the middle of nowhere there's not a lot of resources to get, you know build something bigger there um but for you guys uh scaling this type of business can you do this with uh leveraging just like uh like pay-per-click stuff like do you need to you know get a crazy headcount if you wanted to make this like a huge business um i i i don't i don't really know the answer to that because mm-hmm. i've only ever done this once and we were very lucky in that as i said you know we sold out of that initial hundred pairs of glasses and yeah there was a panic stations going like oh we've getting all this traffic from love in dublin and um i also think Roz personal had put a post about it as well so we had that double whammy after a week of like all that traffic and either we were going to we were going to like we were going to have all those people arrive at our website and see everything was sold out and never come back or else we kind of think of something so uh, as you said earlier mark with um shopify you have all these plugins and stuff and um, we were like oh what about you know, pre-orders or whatever, because um, I'd actually listened to a podcast about the founding of Warby Parker, and this is what they'd done when they sold out of their first batch. They'd, they'd uh, installed a pre-ordering function on the website. So so we did that, and, you know, we, we were honest and upfront about it. It's like, you might not get these glasses for about five or six weeks, but people still bought. And, wow. like, you know, I think I think we, we, we made, like, five figures from those pre-orders alone. And, wow. and then that what that did was that bought the next batch of stock, you know, and then it's just snowballed since then. I've like I've, I I don't really know how, like how far this could go, but you know, um, it's been like slow and steady progress rather than um you know just going from one to twenty thousand pairs of glasses overnight. Which yeah, that wouldn't be sustainable. But you know, the way we've grown and snowballed like the way we have, it's it's been fairly manageable. Perfect. And Dan, would you, would you use other platforms like? the likes of Amazon or any other kind of platforms like that, or is it solely just your own website? Um, I, we were on Amazon for a while. I, I find it extremely confusing and um, I just found it quite difficult. And also I, I do think there's an element of being on Amazon taking away from the brand. And hmm. um, I could be wrong, but I, I don't shop on Amazon myself. I prefer to kind of find independent retailers and stuff. I, I, I don't know. I just, I just didn't like being on Amazon, and um, yeah, it was hard. So I, I took I took the products off Amazon. Actually, sometimes on Amazon, I feel like it's when I go when I buy something that's not on Amazon, I feel like I'm I'm doing a good thing. Like so, even if it's even like a, another big company, like the Book Depository or something, when I go there, I'm like, yeah, 
It's like an action against Amazon, you know? Yeah, it's rebellious. It's a, it's a bit rebellious. Amazon probably own them for all you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> they probably do. Um, but I get that as well, especially because when you're just scrolling through, like I, I use Amazon for, like I got a, a thing of like industrial tape, <laughs> that type of thing. It's fine, you know? But I know what you mean. If yeah. you're looking for something a little bit more um, kind of specialized, like we're looking for a new background for us for our, we had we used to have a background here for the the podcast, but it got kind of disintegrated. So we're looking for a new one. Um, and we was on like Etsy, and there's all these people who make these amazing backgrounds yeah. in their shed. <laughs> that kind of way. Yeah. Um, I just prefer to maybe buy that if we can. Yeah, um, that's the way to go. Yeah, for sure. Um, so um, good. In in terms of sorry, you're saying like in terms of other uh, sales channels. No, it's just been just been our website. Is that. Like online, it's just our website. Like we do have the two uh, little fixtures now, and Brent Thomas, and actually, sorry, Brent Thomas selling their website. But in terms of like, you know, Amazon stuff now. And how do you get into Brent Thomas? Do they kind of contact you if they're looking for, uh, like, do they reach out to try to build their their kind of stock or their new their new stuff that are coming in, or is there like uh like do you have to pitch your idea for to those guys, or how does that work? It was a bizarre, that was a bizarre situation with Brian Thomas, actually. My, my dad swims in the 40 foot. Well, he lives in Portugal now, but he, before he moved there, he, he swam the 40 foot every morning and he befriended the head buyer of the men's department's brother, right? And was always talking about Amber and talking about his son's company. And um, the brother was like, oh, geez, I must mention it to, I must mention it to my brother. He might be interested. And mentioned it to the, the brother, brother and Brian Thomas. And he was like, that sounds deadly. And send him in. So, I I I I was like, oh god! I'd like this is Brent Thomas is a pretty big deal, you know. It's like yeah. Selfridges, um, you know. And this was two years ago, so we were only like a year and a few months old. I didn't really know what I was doing, and I I remember I went into the meeting with like the creative director of Brent Thomas, her name Shelley Corkery, and she's actually quite famous, turns out. And um, we sat in a room, and I just had this feckin' filthy white t-shirt on and tattoos hanging out and a backpack on my back with loads of glasses in them and um you know we just sat in a room and had a chat and i didn't i thought i was going in to pitch the products but they had already made up their mind about the products so nice. when i got there it was like how do we put the product in and when do we put the product in and i was like oh my god is this actually happening Unbelievable. and um, and then i just I, I left there like i left that meeting like elated and then and yes yeah, so again Look, I've, I've been very lucky with things like this. I think like that, I didn't even have to pitch or go through that much hard work. Slight bit of nepotism. Actually, no, not nepotism. It was just my, it's a, it's a favor that my dad did, you know? And then, um, and then just, I think they just kind of liked the idea of a company from Dublin um, with a unique product that, you know, they, like it looks good and the branding is good. And I think they just got a kick out of me being so unprofessional. Yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> And that was it, really. They're probably used to you know dealing with the guys from like Gucci and stuff coming in, and yeah, yeah. like this is stark contrast. Um, and then it was very cool, you know. It took it took about six months to decide on the design of the stands that would go in, because okay. it's so particular, you know, everything has to be perfect. And so we ended up getting these beautiful like chrome and brass and um, stands built by an agency here in Dunleary, like a product design agency. Um, and then um, me and Sasha went in there at 2 a.m. because uh, you can't install it after during the day. We were in there at 2 a.m. in November 2017. That's November 2018. Um, just like watching like loads of people put in our brand and install our product into the Brian Thomas men's department and women's department. The men's one was right beside Tommy Hilfiger and Kenzo. 
uh, and it was just so surreal like to see that brand that you made in your kitchen like a year earlier be in such esteemed company in like ireland's largest luxury department store it was insane insane wow so cool um well the we've got a bit of a uh, a tradition on the shark pot here it's kind of we have a, a lightning round or a you know a, a quick fire round um it's kind of Mark's party piece here. Mark, I know we've we've got a, a kind of a hard stop here as well. So maybe a few of these, a few of your favorite ones, Mark. Um, then we'll let Dan go, get on with his day. Okay, yeah. What's your favorite social media and why? Uh, Twitter, I think, now. Um, I I actually I hate, hate Instagram so much. I hate Facebook so much. So it doesn't leave me much, much of an option. But, but Twitter... Uh, I just I just loved the, the the gas jokes coming out of people in Ireland throughout uh, throughout COVID like this been some Golf crackers, Gate. Like... I was like I was just following that hashtag hashtag Golfgate. Yeah. They're all just hilarious jokes like and just I think in Twitter during lockdown in Ireland there was a real good sense of community within Ireland and um, it almost felt like you were like all in it together like with your mates. Just such were the jokes and the tweets coming out. I just I got quite addicted to it over lockdown. Very good. Interesting. Um, what's the best business idea you've never acted upon? Uh, um, oh my god! Oh, there's one thing. There's one thing that I thought. Oh yeah. Do you know? Um, do you know the way that Revolut introduced this new thing recently? Where was it? Was it Revolut that did it? So where you could where you can uh, you can give virtual spare change to charity, right? Where it's like, say, I think it's Revolut. I could be wrong. But where you've got like, if you go into a shop. And you buy something for like uh, like one ninety or something, you're left with ten cents. You can choose to donate that virtual spare change to charity. But I had thought that for ages when I saw like homeless people not not getting any spare change because everybody's have has cards yeah. and stuff. And I thought about it for ages, but I never acted upon it and that's all revolutions. That's a brilliant idea. And it's also something that you could do for good in the world as well. Do you know if you're mm-hmm. like because I was in yeah, yeah. I was in town for the first time in ages on Monday. Um, I had a day off. We went in and uh, we ate at Crew. They're like new Cajun place. Delicious, by the way. It felt like a thrill. Feels like you're in America, really. I know that's what they're <laughs> they're trying to do, but uh, it's really nice. But the, the like because there wasn't that many people like working in town at the at the time. Those people still working from home. Um, you could see it was almost like you could see the homeless people in in a brighter way because they they weren't kind of faded into crowds of people. And I was just thinking, okay. there's there's no. I haven't got I haven't gone to an ATM in six months to get cash. Do you know what I mean? So there's no there's not that there's no way to to help out even if you wanted to. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think yeah, that's a really yeah. good idea. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, if you if you could do business anywhere in the world, where would it be? The country wise, if I could live anywhere, um, I do just what market? What market? Um, Oh, like I, oh, I'd love to crack the U.S. market. I'd, lo- I'd love to be a big, a big brand in the U.S. A hundred percent. It's so hard, but like that, that would be, that would be a big goal. I, I used to live in New York, like, and I, I'd love, I'd love to open a little shop in Brooklyn or something. Cool. Was there anything you saw over there that you thought that's worth bringing home? Idea wise, uh, we, we had a pop up shop uh, last Christmas on Wicklow Street, where I got in touch with my friend Brian, who uh, owns Happy Out Cafe in Clontarf. You know, on Bull Island. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, we did like a hybrid coffee shop, glasses shop pop up for two months on Wicklow Street, and that was very, that was very Brooklyn, like very, very you know, very very cool New York, and people didn't really seem to get it in Ireland. And <laughs> like, what a coffee shop and a glasses shop? I'm not going in there. 
too, too weird. Too, too weird. Too weird. Um, how much? <clears throat> how much money is enough money? Uh, enough to buy a nice house. That, that's enough for me. Like I don't. I don't really buy any. Uh, I don't buy any flashy stuff or clothes. No, I don't have any money really. But but uh, but I, I just I have no desire to buy flashy things or whatever. It just for me it would just be like to have. A, ni- a nice house, nice house in Dublin because we're currently renting an apartment. Uh, and then, um, yeah, for me, it's the work-life balance is far more important than the than the than the money than any money, to be honest. And I think money gives you that freedom, you know. And are you quite just, a, just out of interest? Are you quite uh, disciplined? I know because you're self-employed. Are you quite disciplined with the your time? Do you work kind of like a nine to five, or are you like uh, flexible with the way you work? Is that part of the the reason why you like working for yourself? Um, I'm pretty, I do try and stick to the nine to five. I think we've been very conditioned to believe that that's working hours, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I can, I'm, I'm able to, you know, take a break and be flexible. Like I, I do enjoy that aspect of working for yourself, but then at the same time, I could, I will be on like Google analytics at 10 PM at night seeing like, you know, any, if there's been any discrepancies in traffic or where the traffic drop or something like that. So in terms of that, it's 24 seven. But um, it's nice to be able to just, you know, to go for a, a hike at two o'clock or something if you want it. Perfect. Hey, Mark, one more. What's, what's, the, what's the burning question that you got there on your list there? And then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Right. Two, two more. Two quick ones, right? Okay. Is, it, is it who you know or is it what you know? What you know. Definitely. Okay. I don't know. I didn't know anybody. Well, actually, no, I've contradicted myself with the Brian Thomas thing. But I, uh, I, I did, I did like 90, 95% of our business is online and I didn't know anybody to help me. Like I didn't really have any help. And, and I just, as I said, like just teaching yourself, working hard, uh, putting in the errors and being, being a little bit lucky, I think outweighs. I got, I've seen a good few people like, and then I, I do a lot of the, I go to a lot of like local enterprise office events and then like there's a good few people there. I think that like, you know, family members have like given them a shed load of money and then um, got some connections and stuff but you, the, the, like it doesn't mean that their business is good it doesn't mean that their mm. business is going to last um so it, i think definitely what you know is more important cool okay last one if you could advise somebody to learn one skill what would it be oh um <clears throat> seo maybe <laughs> I, I would say I would I'd probably say I'd probably say Google Google AdWords Google AdWords and Facebook Ads Manager. Perfect. I don't even know that I don't know that that well now, but like if you can if you can master if you're really good at those two things, Jesus, like you just you can you can you can sell anything really, you know. One last question: which one which one do you prefer? Which one's better for a product, Google or Facebook Ads? Um, I would say Google face Google Ads starting off. And then, uh, no, I'd say Google Ads. Yeah, Google Ads. Okay. Perfect. Well, Dan, thanks very much for joining us on the SharkPod today. We do have one more question. Would you prefer a SharkPod t-shirt or a SharkPod uh, mug? Something like this. Um, it's up to you. T-shirt. T-shirt. Perfect. Uh, Dan, thanks very much for joining us today. Um, and this will be out in a couple of weeks. We'll let you know. Uh, really interesting uh, business. Like like Mark said, uh, like all of our friends, when we said that you were coming on, they'd already knew about the business, which is something that's incredibly hard to do uh, with with a brand from with a, a small team like you have. Um, so yeah, kudos on that, and uh, wish you all the best for the future. Thanks, Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers, Thanks, guys. Bye.